There is power in the name of Jesus. 
I don't know about you, but I found this season to be an invitation. God is saying, be close to me, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. May this be a season where we rediscover our best friend, and we remember his name, the power that it holds. We say, Lord, forgive us for the times that we we pursued any other name above yours, starting right now. My heart's with you. Sing this with me one more time. My heart was seen. No other name, Jesus, Jesus. My heart was seen. No other name, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If I were you, I would have given up on me by now. I would have labeled me a lost cause. Cause I feel just like a lost cause. If I were you, I would have turned around and walked away. I would have labeled me beyond repair. Cause I feel like I'm beyond repair. Oh, but somehow you don't see me like I do. Somehow you're still here. You're the God who saves. You're the God who stays. You're the one who runs in my direction. When the whole world walks away, you're the God who stands with a wide open arms. And you tell me nothing I have ever done. I used to hide Every time I thought I let you down I always thought I had to earn my way But I'm learning you don't work that way Cause somehow you don't see me like I do Somehow you're still here You're the God who stays You're the God who stays You're the one who runs in my direction Can't separate my guilt. Can't separate my past. Can't separate. I'm yours forever. My sin can't separate. My scars can't separate. My failures can't separate. I'm yours forever. No enemy can separate. No You're the God who saves. You're the one who runs in my direction. When the whole world walks away, you're the God who stands with wide open arms 
And you tell me nothing I have ever done Could separate my heart from the God who stays You are the God who stays Let's pray together before Pastor Jamie comes and delivers an awesome message for you. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. You are so good to us and it's your amazing grace that we sing about. We sing to you, we sing for you, and we can sing because of your great love and your mercy. We thank you that you are so faithful. You are the God who stays with us. And even during this season of spiritual distancing, you have promised that we can experience spiritual closeness. Why? Because you are close to the brokenhearted. You save those who are crushed in spirit. And as we listen to this message from Pastor Jamie, I pray that every heart will be powerfully reminded that your presence can change our lives and that nothing can separate us from the great love of God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. And we just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the, the women out there today. No matter where you're at on the motherhood spectrum, we just want you to know we honor you today. And we're so glad that you've decided to join us today on your special day. We also want to welcome all the rest of you that are viewing and a part of our online campus today. We're so glad to have you. And I want to encourage you to pull out your phone, snap a, a selfie of you watching the service. But Today's selfie challenge is a little bit different than normal. Today what we're asking you to do is post a picture of your mom and tag us in that post. And what we're asking you to be able to do is to give us a comment about why your mom is the best, why she was significant in your life, why she's important to you now. And then we're gonna pick a couple of those posts and we're gonna send your mom a gift or a prize for your comment that's on social media. So make sure that you take a moment and you honor your mom today. Um, it's just a way to say thank you for all the years that you have poured into my life but once again we're so thankful that you're a part of our service and if you're new and this is your first time to tune in with us we ask that you text the word new to 248-780-7807 this is a way we're going to be able to follow up with you and hopefully connect in the future as well and then in the same way if you're looking for opportunities to connect into the Brightmore family I'd encourage you to text that exact same number the word connect and this is the way that we can get you plugged into the life here at Brightmore because there's lots of ways for you to get plugged in even during this pandemic so don't wait or delay to wits back to the new normal I encourage you to text that word right now we'll get you plugged in and finally if you're looking for opportunities to um, get prayed for if you'll just text the word prayer to that same number or call the church office we will have some of you reach back out with you uh, to you and pray specifically for your need but we want you to know you're not in this alone so don't try to carry those burdens alone either and then once again, we just want to thank you so much for your generosities throughout this whole pandemic. We've been able to step up and meet some real needs because of the generosity of our Brightmore family. And it's not possible without people like you that are saying, hey, I'm going to continue to be consistent and faithful in my giving to bring the Lord's tithe and your offering into the house today. And so if you're looking for ways to give, you can do that through our online um, website, through our app, or also just direct, directly mailing a check to the church. But once again, thanks for your generosity. And we're just believing that God's going to continue to move throughout the remainder of this service, and we're so glad that you're part of the Brightmore family today.
Good morning to the Brightmore family. Again, what a joy it is to be able to come to you guys on this uh, wonderful Mother's Day. I'd like to take a moment. Wasn't that just an incredible video? I love all the creativity that the Brightmore family has. And a special thank you to Robert and Roxanne and their three wonderful children. They filmed all that in their house and sent it to us. And um, uh, that's kind of what a mother looks like uh, today, especially in sheltering. So... I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms that are out there, and we have some special guests that are here as well. Um, my wife, happy Mother's Day to you, Kim. I'd like to say that, and I've uh, been doing this mother thing for 23 years now, and um, you're definitely special to me. You're not a guest, but you're definitely special to me, and right over here, we have uh, Coach Blackwell and his lovely wife, Jillian, and so thanks for joining with us today. We greatly appreciate it. Things are a little bit different. Some of you are probably now scrambling to run into the family room. You've been getting coffee at the beginning of my messages, but you see things are going to be a little different today. And uh, so make sure that you're getting uh, sitting down or at least moms are. 
Um, tell us a little bit, Coach. We've had a great friendship and relationship for a long time. Uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us about uh, your children that you guys have and all of that. Well, um, Jillian and I have been married for, actually in August, we'd be 24 years. Okay. And so uh, we um, <clears throat> have been doing this life together and thank the Lord for that. Um, and we have three kids, uh, yep. Mackenzie, Jonathan, and Robert, a, a senior, a freshman, and a sixth grader. Yeah, and we got a great picture of them right there. They're all basketball, uh, can I say, like studs? I mean, they're all great at basketball. Yeah, they, they think they are. I, they are. <laughs> I love that. That's I, have so to, I have to put them in a place every now and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And then, of course, people know that Kim and I, we have two children. They've kind of been like an open book here at Brightmore, uh, Marissa and um, Harrison, that is uh, there as well. So I just want to say to Jillian and Kim, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. you know, Thank it, you. it's a Thank joy. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a joy to have you guys here and all that. And I want to be real honest with our church family. So uh, being um, a pastor now for 30 years and uh, being here for almost 15 years, um, one of the hardest Sundays for me to preach is actually Mother's Day. And some people say, well, why is that? And I say, because I stand in front of thousands of mothers, and yet I'm not a mother. I feel comfortable on Father's Day or Easter or Christmas, but Mom's Day, it's just a little bit different. And so I'm just excited and thrilled that you guys are here to be able to share with us and have more of a conversation because I think moms out there would love to be able to glean some wisdom from both of you and to be able to look at it. You know, all through the Bible, there are wonderful examples of moms. So we have some great examples. There's like Sarah who gave birth to the promise. We have uh, different ones like Rebecca. You have Leah and Rachel who had to learn how to share in a family together. That's a whole nother story in and of itself. You have Naomi, you have Hannah. Uh, in the New Testament, we have great moms like Elizabeth who gave birth to John the Baptist. We have uh, James and John, the Sons of Thunder has a mom that we don't know her name, but she goes to Jesus and says, my boys are great. Let them sit at the right and the left of you and, and all of that. So there's just a lot of great examples that are there. And today, I just want to take a moment and learn from a few women in the church that were great mothers and uh, learn from their example. And then hear how do those ladies apply to your life and how did you ladies accomplish what they did? And so the first lady that, um, I, I, that's a big task, isn't it? I, a lot I just, of pressure. I heard all of it like, whoa, coming out right there. You guys are going to do fantastic. But the first mom I find over in the book of Exodus, and I've always admired Jochebed, the, the mother of Moses, um, was a fantastic mother. We know that Moses was really born in a very violent time. Uh, we know kind of the story about Pharaoh was... Um, Scared about all the Hebrews producing so quickly, he couldn't keep them under his thumb any longer. And so in an effort to decrease the population, he said, all male children are to be drowned in the Nile. And, and, and we don't know how many were affected by that, but we know that there was a mom that stood up and said, that's not going to happen for my son. And I've always admired Jochebed because Jochebed took an effort to protect her son. And I find that today, moms have a great job of protecting their children. Yeah. 
So tell us a little bit like, you know, maybe Kim, we'll start with you. Um, tell us a couple of things that you did to protect Harrison and Melissa. We know culture is not kind of kid friendly. Music, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook. I mean, there are things that they deal with that we probably didn't have to really deal with. Um, but what are some of the things that we did to protect our kids? Well, first of all, you take everything to prayer and you use the Bible as your guideline. And I would just pray over my kids. I prayed over their friends. Mm. I would pray over um, where they spent their time and just really taking that matter to the Lord. And, you know, maybe I was a little bit tough, but, you know, I watched what they um, did on their phones. Um, I just didn't let them freely just go and do whatever, you know, because they are such tender shoots that I wanted to protect them and let them grow up to be strong. And um, I think it's our job that we need to protect that shoot and we want them to be um, just full of God and godly wisdom. And we want to protect that shoot that's growing and making it strong, just like a tree. It's tender. It's weak. It can be blown by the wind when it's just a little seedling. And as it grows, it gets stronger and stronger. So we need to do that to protect them. And you've got a different area than the maybe than when I was growing up. You know? So I think we have to be diligent. And kids don't like it, but you know what? It's for their own good. Right, right. And and I think you were I, I would probably again being really transparent, I would probably say out of our parenting, you were the more consistent parent than I was. I don't know about you, Coach, but if my kids got in trouble, they wanted to be in trouble with me. They didn't want to be in trouble with mom because they knew that if they got in trouble with Kim, the, the punishment or the discipline was actually going to be fulfilled. With me, they might be able to sweet talk their way out of it. I mean, to the point one time that we know one of our children, Marissa, uh, how about that? Our strong-willed one uh, got out of line and uh, we told her she wasn't going to go to a birthday party. And um, she didn't believe us, and we drove to the house. She got out. She delivered the birthday gift, and she walked right back into the car and left all of her friends. And um, it was just that consistent discipline. And I find sometimes that parents are uh, afraid to step into maybe their See, children's see. lives uh, because they might feel like, oh, Didn't I can't invade their is. privacy. I can't go into their room. That's their sanctuary. And I've said, listen, from the moment they were so born, they no were invading my privacy. So why would I not? Uh, give me some and, you know, Jillian and Coach, you guys have done a fantastic job raising, you know, three young men now in your family. And you, um, give definitely, me some you know, what's happened even this week on social media, we have seen what it took place with Ahmad Arbery. And it's you a different world, uh, even raising African-American boys. And things that we might not have ever had to deal with raising Harrison. Jillian, speak to us just for a moment. Like yeah. some of the things that you and Coach have done. Well, actually, it's reversed with us. Um, so I'm the softie, okay? Um, and I say my husband is very sweet, but he goes from one to 10. 
There's no, there's no in between, and so my kids don't want to have to deal with that. Yes, um, I'm sorry, you. <laughs> he, you think he's nice and quiet? He's not. Um, but just in terms of raising three boys, uh, I have a very, very good relationship with them. I talked to them about sex. I talked about everything. Um, speaking of the door, there was a time I, I can't remember who it was. They tried to close the door, and I kicked it down. Like, just, there's no closing the door in our house. Right. And so I'm very open with them about today's society and the things that they need to be aware of. I remember a time, I think Jonathan might have been 11 or 12 years old, we were traveling and we went into a store. And Jonathan is my very lively, you know, he just want to do everything. And he was doing this. And I immediately said, you can't do that. And I scolded him in the, in the store and then I had a conversation in the car. You know, the car is captive audience, right? right? And I said, let me tell you why. And I painted this big picture for him. And I said, just imagine something happens and this store is robbed. And they roll the tape. And they see this. They don't know you're 12 because you're a big 12-year-old. Yes. You look like a man. Right. And they can somehow associate you with this. And he couldn't understand even at that age. And I struggle sometimes um, just having that conversation and the timing of the conversation. Mm -hmm. But because he looks like a man, a black man, I needed to have those conversations with him about, you know, make sure you you make sure you don't walk around with your hood on. Yeah. And I made them watch the video of the story of um can't think of his first name, I apologize. Um, in Florida, mm -hmm. where he the young man, oh it's Trayvon uh, Martin got shot. I said, I don't want you to be in that situation. So these are some things you need to be cautious about. And even though you think you may look just like a regular twelve year old. With a hoodie on, you're not a regular 12-year-old. And so those were tough conversations, but those were conversations that I had to have so he could have guard, not just him, but all three of them. John, Robert now is 12, and he's almost as tall as me. Right. And so I need to have conversation with my sweet little 12-year-old about things you can and you cannot do. And it's um, it's disheartening, but it's the life that we live today. Right. Yeah. And, and and some people might actually, you know, say, well, you, you don't really need to have that. But that to me is a spirit of Jochebed yeah. that said, you know what, I'm going to do what it takes to protect my children um, and to educate my children. I mean, I've had conversations now with Harrison, actually, and said, look, if this is the situation you're in. This is how I want you to handle it. And you know, it's to protect them in, in, in those types of things. Coach, what have you done? I know that you're a great example for your young men. And that is true. I mean, like, they're like six seven, six three, and six foot right now. So, well, we wrote them in a Christian school. Yeah. You know, we, you know, when we married, you know, we said, you know, we want to raise our children uh, to be able to be, you know, uh, practice their faith, to have a foundation, practice their faith. And so uh, we believe in Christian school, and I've been working uh, in a Christian found, you know, Christian school for almost 18 years. And so uh, we felt like that will be a way to protect them, uh, you know, as they grow up, they'll learn how to deal with uh, teaching the Word of God and how to deal with, you know, things in the society and whatnot. Uh, I know my upbringing in the city of Holland Park, I didn't want them to experience anything like that because it was rough for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the reason uh, that I, I, you know, I used basketball or sports to get out of the city. Mm -hmm. And so um, for our children, we wanted to make sure that we had a good foundation we'll let you go get your meal. Um, in a Christian school. Yeah. Okay.
And so, you know, moms, um, you have a great well, Daddy, job uh, to be able to do that. Okay. And there's a great example in Moses' Whoop. mother. You, you think Moses' mom would have to protect her son. Uh, where's the great deliverer for, you know, the Hebrew children that goes and parts the Red Sea and receives the commandments and, you know, becomes, you know, this great leader. Um, and, and you know what, moms, listen, you can do it. Uh, let me encourage you, um, step into the uh, sphere of your children's life, and it starts at a young age. That, to me, was the key. We were nosy parents early on. Um, we still are. We still are, right. Um, when it came to dating, we, you know, we kind of said, look, date for a hard age because every kid is different and uh but we wouldn't let okay. Melissa just date at a young age because we wanted to protect her heart uh when she was 13 and 14 years old and you know guys were like hey we like to no you're you're too young to have those kinds of emotions and some people might say that's old-fashioned well then i'm old-fashioned is what i'm gonna say but i can say uh with you know some uh, gladness in my heart. I look at where she's at right now, 23 years old, married the one and only guy that she dated, and, you know, have honored God in all aspects of their relationship. Amen. So I look at that. So um, I think moms, you know what, whether you're married or a single parent mom right now, mm -hmm. you can do it. I want you to know that. Even in the story of Jochebed, there's no mention of Moses' dad. That's one of the things that we notice is absent. So I always say this, mom, you with God are enough to raise your kids and you can do a fantastic job. And in this culture, let's make sure moms that we're following like Jacobet and protecting our kids from the influences of the world. And both you moms are doing a, a great job. So we applaud you. Isn't that right, Coach? Yes, yes, so, um, you know, there's another uh, mom and a grandma. That always impressed me in the Bible. And you find it in the New Testament. And their names are Lois and Eunice. And they are Timothy's grandmother and mother. And Paul references them in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. Um, you'll see it come to the screen. It says, I am reminded of your sincere faith. This is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Uh, what I find interesting again is that Timothy's dad is not mentioned. We know that Timothy comes from a mixed marriage family. And what I mean by that was his mother was Jewish, but his father was Gentile. So there was probably very little faith in the father. And so that's why Paul calls out, look, this was in your mom and it's in your grandmother and it's now in you. So moms play an incredible spiritual role in the lives of their kids. And so maybe I can just, you know, Jillian, maybe you go first on this one here. Um, what are some of the things that you did to instill the faith, the Christian virtues and um, values of our Christianity into uh, your three young men? Well, uh, my kids see me pray. 
I pray all the time. Um, I'll go into the room, I'll wake them up, and I say, we're going to pray. Or I ask them, have you prayed? And so they see, Kim and I were talking about this earlier, they see me as an example mm. of a woman who prays. And they also see that pray, my prayers are answered. I remember a time when I was sick. I was diagnosed in 2011 with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had cancer. And they saw me pray through that. Um, so that was a testimony to them. I, I remember a time when, you know, McKenzie will say that he's believing God for something or he wants something. I will, I'll talk him through. Do you, remember, do you see what, they, what God did for me? He's no respecter of person. If you're believing God, I mean, I try to build them up that there's absolutely nothing that you can do. Right. I mean, we have, I've talked about McKenzie. McKenzie has had some challenges in school. But I keep saying, it doesn't matter. Right. We're not looking at your beginning. We're looking, God has, you know, my kids say all the time. They will repeat after me, I want you to have a great future. I right. say that to them all. They know that you're going to have a great future no matter what it looks like now. We got your back. And so I try to instill them, one, faith, and two, believe in yourself. And three, you have to have a relationship with God. Right. Um, and if they, if they get that, and we all make mistakes. I mean, think about the things when we make mistakes on our job. We make mistakes in our relationship. We try to be transparent in front of our kids. That no life is perfect. No parent. We talked about our older son. We made, we made some mistakes. He was our kind of like our, McKenzie, you are our guinea pig. He was right. our guinea pig. And we made mistakes, but we tell them that whatever you do, trust God and he'll see you do it. Amen. Yeah. And that's good. And you got great boys. I want you to know that. And I love that you speak that. I think that's very powerful. Actually, Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying this. All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my mother. Now you think about it. The great emancipator, the 16th president, says, I am who I am because of a mom that raised me, gave birth to me in Kentucky, and, and moved me to Illinois, and look what he became. And so I, I love how you do that. Kim, what did you do and stuff like that? Because I got to tell you, um, sometimes parenting is so rewarding. And then sometimes parenting can be so frustrating, you know, and, you know, I know that we have, um, I don't know if you want to talk about this right here, but Kim was uh, doing like a lot of, I think, uh, people are doing when we're in sheltering and that is kind of decluttering areas. And so we have this spare room. Well, it started as a spare closet. Now it's a spare room that catches everything. So we kind of been going through it and purging that. And um, you uh, actually came across this. Maybe you guys could show it up on the screen if you guys don't mind um, on the outline. But um, it, it's from Marissa and is when she's at preschool. Tell us a little bit about what that is about. Marissa was our first child. And let me say, she was a strong-willed child. And, you know, when we didn't have kids for like seven years. Right. And, you know, and when I was teaching, I was like, my child will never do that. Boy, did I eat those words. Right. And, um, but Marissa, she loved to talk, and I wonder where she got that from. <laughs> from her mother? And so teachers would say, you know, Marissa would talk, she would interrupt, and, and so they put that system up where every day, like, you know, calendar time, it was Bible time, free choice time, cleanup time, lesson sharing, and they would put like a little happy or sad face on it. And then t for the sum of the day, can I get these? And as you see, this is just an okay day. And she got so many of these that I was like, I'm a failure as a mom. But I want to tell you, moms, no, you're not. These incidents 
these times that you may be have a report from a teacher, they do not shape the future of your child. And you take those times and you take them as teaching moments. And you talk to your kids and you tell them, this is why you don't need to do this. This is what you need. And you get on your knees and pray. And you know what I always would do? I would find an older woman that has gone before me. And I would speak their wisdom. Like, how, how do I handle this strong-willed child? And I would ask them and say, will you pray? Will you agree with me? And plus, give me wisdom. Because, and one of the other things I want to encourage moms to do is when you make a mistake in talking and maybe you just blow your top, apologize. They need to see that you're repentant, that you don't have it all together, and that you say that you're sorry. They need to see what you talk about wanting them to do. You need to do it in front of them. Because there's times I blew it with my kids, and I say, you know what? I didn't handle that right. Please forgive me. Right. And you know what's so cool? I started seeing in Marissa, when she was older, that when she would do something, she'd come back maybe the very next day. You know what? I'm really sorry. Will you forgive me? And I believe it was because I think she saw it in me. And so, don't give up when you have that child that maybe they're not the perfect kid in the class. Partner with your teachers. Partner with them. Don't go against them. Right, right. Be a partner. Partner with people in church and say, pray, give me wisdom, read books. But let me tell you, those books are not the magic answer. Because let me tell you, there were things I would do exactly what it say, and I would just defy it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'd be like, and what did I do again? I would go on my knees and pray. Yeah. And let me tell you, 23 years later, God is taking that strong will, that kid that likes to talk, and she has beautiful communication skills now. And God's using that lane that He instilled in her. So don't look at what your kid gets in trouble for and that you need to get Because both my kids have great skills on their communication skills. And so don't give up on your kids. And one of the things, you know, when we looked at it, um, there were many times uh, we felt like we were failing, you know, in our parenting, as you mentioned. And you said, we will not define our kids in the moment. We will define our kids by the season. And so, you know what, parents? You might be out there right now and, you know, you might feel like, you know, you're failing. You know, I'm a failure as, your mom, as a mom. I'm a failure as a dad. But you know what? Don't let those be defining moments for you. Don't judge these little notes that you get home for the moment. Judge them for the season of, of what they're going through. And I love how you both said <laughs> kind of the same thing about consistency and them seeing it in you. That I think our, consistency, our Bibles are open. You know, they need to hear us at times praying for them. Um, I like how you said, I put them in a Christian school. You put them in a Christian environment. Uh, another thing I would suggest is make sure that they're involved in church. When the church doors are open, whether young children or teenagers, you instill, why well, they might not want to go to church. Well, they don't want to brush their teeth and they don't want to eat vegetables and they don't want to go to bed at 930. But, you know, you still make that happen for them. Why would we neglect? You know, one of the greatest things in them, and that's their spiritual walk. Why would we neglect that? And uh, both of you guys are doing a great job. Anything else you want to add about that? I was just going to say they also need to see that you have godly friends. 
So my children see who my friends are. And I expect you to have godly friends and godly conversations. And so if they see that, you know, and the other thing I want to say, you, you talked about, um, you know, we may, we may have seen ourselves as a failure. We apologize to our kids a lot. We are so sorry. We missed it. We do. I mean, I remember recently we just started crying in front of us. Like we missed, we missed that and we apologize. We're going to get it right. Yeah. And they see that. And it was just such a, a moment for our family that we'll never forget. We, we all had a moment. In fact, I need to go and apologize to one of my oldest. <laughs> yeah, I, I blew up on Mackenzie, so I had to apologize. But I like that, Kim. You know, you know, it's a seed. You know, it's a seed that you're showing and you're modeling uh, what it is that you want them to do and how to conduct themselves as Christians. And then one of, one of the things that I do, I go in their bedroom while they're asleep. I, lay, I, I get on my knees. And I, and I lay hands on their feet and I just pray over their body, pray over them, pray over their destiny, pray over as the Holy Spirit, just as they're dreaming, planning them their purpose, let them see where they're supposed to go. And, uh, and that's one of the things I do. Yeah. I like what you said. If you can take scriptures, and one of the scriptures, like I pray, is Lord, as a deer panteth for the water, let my soul long after you. I, I'm like, Lord, let Harrison long. Just as that deer longs for your word, Lord. This is what the word says, and I'm praying this for Harrison or for Marissa. And if you insert your child's name, okay. take the scripture of what you want to see in them. And you know what? That's where your faith comes in, that you believe what this word of God says. And God will do those things. He will do the work. And that's where our faith comes in. And he us as a man and as a Christian. That we believe what this word of God says. And, uh, I'm just going to say that uh, one other thing that I say to them all the time is that I'm raising three husbands. So they may be 12, but I'm raising a husband. I think about the grandmother uh, example, and I think about my mother-in-law. Yeah. Like, she raised a good man. Yeah. And I want my future... Yeah. <laughs> I want my future... I really want my future daughter-in-laws to come and say, you did a good job. Now, again, to, 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 I'm not, we can't look at the stickies, because there's a lot of pink stickies yep. you know, around here. But I want to be able to... For my future daughter-in-law to say, you really raised a godly man. And so I pray, when I pray for my sons, I pray out loud, Father, I thank you that they will save their bodies. If their body is a gift for their wife, I think it would be an awesome gift for, you know, I pray. And they need to hear that, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So although you might, you know, be going through Instagram or being influenced by whatever, mm -hmm. your body doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your future wife. Right. And so if they hear me pray that and we talk about it, we're very open and talking about that that's a gift that you have. Right. And save it for your wife. Yes. I love And I love the fact that both of you uh, mothers have had those kinds of conversations because a lot of parents are a little scared, I think, or they don't know how to really, you know, um, broach the topic with their kids and all that. And I love what Kim has always done. Um, she has always sought out, um, when we were raising our kids, ladies that were already uh, years ahead of us, that they've already been successful. We did that um, as a married couple, I'm thinking of one in particular, back in Pennsylvania, that really mentored us. 
because you use the um, I didn't come from, you know, that kind of, okay. how do I lead a godly family? And um, I wanted to learn, and so it was like mentally helping me, and I love that. And sometimes when you would talk to ladies in the church, I, I gotta be honest, I was a little embarrassed. I was like, quit telling everybody our laundry. You know, I'd be like, stop, we're not gonna put it all out there for people to see. I'm a pastor. You know, I got it all together, and Kim's like, you might think you have it all together, but we need prayer and we need help. And there were godly women that helped you become. Help me get out the way. So, listen, there are Loises and Eunices, ladies that are out there. Be the Lois and the Eunice for those that are around and raise up godly children. You can instill that gift into your kids. And um, just believe the best for them. That's what we're still doing. We're still believing. We don't stop parenting. We're still believing the best for them. Yeah, no, it ain't. Okay. But that's what I believe. And I believe that you can become a low and become a genius. Um, and you can do that for other ladies that might say, you know what, I need help. Because you know what, I'm getting a lot of these. You know, this is happening a lot in my life right now. I'm getting a lot of these stickers right here. And um, I just need some help. Again, moms, listen. Don't judge them by the day. Judge them by the season that is there. And uh, you pray over them. As Coach says, I go in their room at night and I lay hands on them. I, I love that. I've done that. But the only thing is, is Harrison's like the lightest sleeper. I, I creep the door and he's like, what? Uh, what? what are you doing? You're here to pray. I mean, he's up like that. But, um, it's Mother's right, Day. But, but thank, you know, Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He said, men are what their mothers make them. Men are what their mothers make them. So I just love hearing, you know, some of these um, strong men like Abraham Lincoln and that talking about what their mothers have done for them. But let's talk about one more mother. So we talked about Jochebed, who protected Moses and how we can protect our kids today. Uh, we talked about Lois and Eunice, a mother and a grandmother that um, instilled great faith into Timothy and Timothy would go on to lead the church. I mean, when Paul died, you know, Timothy's the guy that took the mantle and Christianity begins to spread. Um, but probably one of probably my favorite mom in the Bible um, is Mary. Blessed and highly favored among all men. You know, um, one of my favorite stories is this interaction between Jesus and Mary in John chapter 2. I love that we've been reading through the Gospel of John together as a church family. But in John chapter 2, they come up to a wedding. And you know, it's the wedding of Cana. Um, they run out of wine. Kim and I have been talking about it. You've been doing some studying on that. And in that day, socially embarrassing to run out of wine. And probably they even knew the family that was there. And um, Mary calls Jesus over which I love the fact that they celebrated big events in people's lives. Like, Jesus celebrated, like, marriage. Like, hey, we're going. And marriage back then was, like, multiple-day events. It wasn't, like, just a long afternoon. It was days. So, uh, they run out of wine. Um, he calls Jesus over and she says they're, they're out of wine. And he Jesus replies in the Gospel of John, you know, whatever it is, says, woman, he, he would talk to why do you involve It was just him talking to the people. My hour has not come. In other words, Jesus is saying, Mom, this really has nothing to do with me. My time has not yet been uh, revealed. But Mary saw something in Jesus that maybe he didn't see. And this is what I believe. It's, it's, it's a hard fact to see this. But why would 
Jesus say that to Mary, and then in the very next verse, in verse 5, he would say, uh, she says, do whatever he tells you to do, and then he would go do it. It confused me a little bit, because I always thought, now this is just my thought, Jesus is this omniscient, all-knowing person, so he knows everything, but he was also fully human, he was fully man, and I think at that moment at the wedding, most people saw Jesus as just a carpenter. His brothers and his sisters saw him as crazy. Up, I mean, can you imagine being the child that does no wrong? You know, I mean, so most people don't think, but Mary saw him in his full potential as the son of God. And she knew. And so I think that the heavenly father spoke to Mary, his mother, the one whom he trusted probably the most at this moment in life. And basically Mary was saying, Jesus, your time is now. This is your moment. And it was at the encouragement of his mother that he now does his first miracle and steps into his full-time ministry. And so that's what a mom does. And this is what I've always said. Moms see in their kids what other people don't. And I believe that. You know, yeah. as a dad, I can get frustrated. Kim, Cece, come on out here, baby. That I come out the bathroom with your cup, or maybe neighbors didn't, or other family friends didn't, or maybe educators didn't. Turn off the light and close the door. Moms did, and I think Mary saw it in Jesus and said, "Now's the time." So, how do you, moms, in this culture, in this time of society, breathe life into your kids like that? They need that. I mean, you hear all these and, and all these, you know, significant things that moms did. Tell us what do you what do
kid and when it's for their best mm. that not always saying yes is a good thing mm. right. but sometimes saying no and you're going against the grain but you have to say no this is the chose household and this is how we live and this is why i think kids need to understand why yeah. mm. I, I would just say i think about uh when it says watch and pray so we talked about prayer I think the watching part is yeah. very key. I, I Sometimes my boys would say, why are you looking at me? Because mm. I'm watching you and right. I'm watching your behavior because all three of my boys are all different. Mm. And they're different from their friends. Right. They're different from their dad. And sometimes we may put our kids into a box. I'll use my oldest as an example. So yes, he's six, seven, right? Six, six. Okay, so he's six six. He's six seven to him. Okay, dad says he's six six. When he's tall, people would put him in a box of a basketball player. Right. But I watched him at a very young age. He likes. Um, he's always thinking about fixing stuff. So he has like a, a, a um engineering mind. Yeah. But he also likes music, and so I always tell him, don't put yourself in a box because. Everybody is telling you what this is what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, so I've watched even my middle child, and he is a full-blown athlete. He, I remember when he was three years old, we went to a park, guys. He had a backpack, and he had a football, basketball, and I think a pair of cleats. He was always ready for a game. Right. He did that in kindergarten. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Robert has the sweetest heart. And I'm saying this for an example. You have to watch your child, and then God will tell you what to pray for. Yes. And so I'm praying that we'll pull those gifts out of you that you may not see because so many people have told you or put you in this box, whether the box is good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Or you may be comparing yourself to this kid that you think is a great athlete, whatever it is. But God has something unique for you. Right. You know, he brought you into yeah. to this world for a specific reason. And you got to walk that out. I can help you. Right. It's our job to help them, but it's our job to watch and pray. And so my kids are always saying, why are you looking at me? Because I'm asking God, what, what is this boy going to do? What do you want for him? What can I help usher into? And the last thing I'll say is, um, you know, I've many times in prayer, I would, I grabbed, like, I remember one time, I grabbed Jonathan's hand, and I had him walk. I, when I pray, I sometimes I walk and I storm through the house. And I wanted him to do that with me and mm. just command some things that you are strong in the Lord. And you, you know, there's some things that God has planned for you. So again, the, the prayer is great, right. but as a mother, you have to watch, watch what he's doing, watch his friends, but also watch the gift that God has put in him at a very young age. Right. And it's our responsibility to pray it out, but also to watch it out, watch yeah. what it is. I love that. Coach, you wanted to add something? I wanted to piggyback on Kim when she was talking about explaining, you know, because when we were growing up, it was blind obedience. You just do it our way and that's it. No no lip service. Right. And I use the three E's. You know, explanation, excuse me, expectation without explanation leads to exasperation. So we have to... Wait a minute. That's good. You need to say that. Say that one more time. Expectation. Expectation. Without explanation leads to exasperation. Wow. So we expect them to read their Bible. We expect them to do this, but we have to explain to them why. Mm. We explain to them. We use, I use myself as an open book, you know, growing up as a, as a, as a boy. You know, the things that I did. Don't, I don't want you to do this because this is the road you're going to go travel yes. down. Take it from me. So right. uh, piggybacking on that, explaining, you know, and Jill is good with that. You know, I, I have that coach mentality and I have to lower it down to make sure 
that uh, I'm developing the relationship with them mm -hmm. as their dad, you know, a male, male, you know, so they'll be able to look at me as their role model. Mm. And every one of our kids are different. Yeah. And so, you know, Kim and I have talked about how we've had to draw out the good in them. Um, and I would probably, again, all transparency, you know, out there, um, there was probably a season that I was too tough on Harrison and I didn't give explanation mm -hmm. And it caused exasperation in him. And finally, Kim sat down. And I think that that's, you know, the power for a husband and wife to be able to speak into each other's lives when you are parenting them. Give each other permission. There were times that, you know, Kim would never do it in front of the kids. But afterwards, she would pull me aside and she would say, you know, Jamie, I heard what you were saying and all that maybe this would have been a different approach for Harrison because this is how we would have did it right. for Marissa.